Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, host and creator of the podcast and SoulfulLiving.com. This is the place people will connect you to their stories, their journeys, and how they've found meaning in their lives. Join us. Let's connect. Connection. I am here with Kimberly Cambra, and I'm going to introduce her based on my perception. This is what I know of you, Kimberly. So I know that you're sophisticated. I, you know, the right food, the right wine. Um, I feel like you might've had a career in the food industry. I feel like I remember that, but I could be wrong, but uh, Kimberly is a comedian. She has stood in front of a microphone in front of people to make them laugh, which to me is, must be the scariest experience on the planet. Um, and I know Kimberly because for a decade, I think it was a decade, Kimberly served as the executive director of CB Cares, so, which became the CB Cares Educational Foundation. So for a very long time, Kimberly, you have been a community leader. You have been a longtime champion, warrior, kid nurturer. And I also want to say, speaking of kid nurturer, you're also a human being work nurturer. Did I say kid worshiper? I, sure. I meant nurturer. That's okay. But when I first came out with my little soulful living adventures, I got a text from you which said, Soul Sisters, S-O-L, like my soulful living. It made me so happy. You support the people and especially the women in your world. And I'm the beneficiary of it. So A, thank you. And B, welcome. Thank you. Did I get anything wrong? Well, you know, I'm not a nitpicker, but I will fix your crown if it's crooked. Um, let me say this to, to the intro, as it were. I had the privilege of 16 and a half years of providing initiatives, programs, and the framework for the qualities and attributes that we want our children to have in a complicated world as they're trying to discover themselves. And so CB Cares in its legacy of the 25 years milestone that it is at at now i came on board in 07 and so i sailed that ship from 07 till the september of last year and it was indeed a privilege like anything you know as you transition and reinvent yourself as you started off my flattering introduction which is you know to take what i know now and make it witty and process through humor. And so that's what I'm doing in my efforts as I take on a fledgling stand-up comedian career. Well, thank you for being you. I want to know, before we kind of even get into anything, this whole notion, what is a soul sister to you? What does that term mean to you? Uh, for me personally, you know, I'm blessed with two sisters. They're twins. They came the buy one, get one program. But beyond that, people who know me know that I have a 
large stable of thoroughbreds and fillies. And these women who I am so lucky to know and have nurtured my life and to be able to nurture in return is certainly one of the greatest gifts that we all have because we're here for such a short time. Life itself is miraculous. And the women that make up, um, you know, each of our own personal fan clubs is large. And I always say, no matter where you look me up, where you read my profile, I firmly believe a person's wealth is measured by their friends. And that makes me one rich. <laughs> Which? <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll save that for my true lovers not out there. I love it. So we're kind of in similar boats because we really did we leave we've left not that we're not serving the community but our whole career was about service to our communities mm -hmm. and we are changing that and have changed that you have a lot of extra things that happened to you mm -hmm. um you've lost your husband you have it we're in a a whirlwind of um, chaos here in our community, um, as a lot of communities are, where people see the education system one way and they see dangers lurking in corners, you know, for children. Um, that don't exist. That don't exist. That don't exist. And then the real dangers that do exist, they kind of turn a blind eye. It's a very strange time. Um, and you're transitioning out of a, it wasn't just a business or a career. It was obvious to anybody watching you. It was a vocation. Oh, yeah. So I'm really curious about what lessons, I'm sure you're still processing a lot, but A, how are you doing? And B, what are you learning and what have you learned? I'm processing all the time. Um, when you can take self-pity and replace it with self-awareness, it's a terrific favor, not only to yourself, but to the brand that you want the world to know and remember you. And as I attempt to do that, even on days when it's really hard, um, and it has been certainly a tumultuous year, you know, I call it FU22, because that's it. Pr primarily, that's what it was. I lost my husband in January of last year on my birthday. And then the cavalcade of um, insults and injuries that followed were completely unthinkable. But the only thing that I can do, Amanda, that I know as I sit here with you, is I can only control the way that I react to things. The things that I need to hold tightly to the thread in life that will get me through to the other side because I have to wake up with myself every morning. I have to be the person that my only child, Rudy, understands and knows. I need to exercise a level of resiliency that I didn't even know I was capable of. And in that um, agility, which is what survival skills really are, it's an agility to respond to life um, in its entirety. And what you have to do is pick and choose when it gets really hard. What is it that you can do? And in the midst of it, I was on a three task achievement 
um, protocol to do the simplest things and consider them achievements. And if you know anything about me, I can host events for up to 4,000 people and bring 18 people to a historical, historic, beloved landmark and have them carve 300 pound pumpkins and make it look easy and simple. But there were days when little tasks seemed like great mountains to climb. So how do you climb those mountains when there are days like that? Where do you yeah. turn for inspiration? <laughs> well, I know deep, deep, deep down inside of me, there is still a spark. It's still there. Um, because I just, I have this, this, there's a wackiness about me that is the pilot light. And, you know, now, sadly or oddly enough, I can joke, I'm not dead um, because I know what that looks like. But for me, I know it's one thing at a time, one step at a time. Get out of bed and put your feet on the floor. Stand up and embrace the glory of this divine universe and allow and surrender a little bit over. Surrender a little bit because I can't lose my trust in things. And the layers of betrayals that I have endured, and Amanda, that's probably another podcast the two of us could host, but in hindsight and in fairness to both of us, because today's a new day, that you have to just realize you can't help the way other people think. Yeah. And what is it that you can do still with the ability to be effective and, you know, I can't be effective the way that I used to be, but it doesn't diminish my absolute passion and concern for the children of this community and the men and women that became my friends after the tenure of my professional role in this community has not diminished. So that, it feels more like a fire than an ember you know, it really on Ash does. Wednesday. <laughs> so where, um, where does that stem from? Can you share a little bit about your childhood, about your journey to what got you here, where you are? Where did that fire start? I'm a, I'm a scrappy kid. Um, School of Hard Knocks, PhD. I was a triple major, trivial trivia, idle gossip, and daytime drama. I graduated first in my class. And so when you think about that, you know, that I have still somehow a sense of humor, one of which I want to cultivate enough to stand in front of people. And since I wasn't killed in the process, I might as well try to kill. Hello, is this thing on? And I have this, it's, it's in there. And it's probably this survival mechanism that I described earlier. It's an agility probably clinically an extortionist that I can, you know, fold myself inside out in my head and, and, and return to my feet. But it comes from a place of why not? How do we make something better? You know, you've, you've collaborated with me in the community and I only mm -hmm. say I can do this many things. I'll make three phone calls or how can we make this better together? I have always lived by that notion. And I believed I shared a passage with you that was on the wall of my office and now is um, on the wall of my 
thought board at home. And, you know, it's, it's just, I have to find inspiration. It's out there. And if you don't open your eyes and feel the energy, it won't plug itself into you. Do you want to share that passage that you shared? I knew you were going to ask that. I <laughs> <laughs> or is it the is what is it what you texted me yes about excellence yes okay so i am going to tell you what the passage it's excellence is the result of caring more than others think is wise risking more than others think is safe dreaming more than others think is practical and expecting more than others think is possible. Thank you. Well, thank that you. Sums it up. You shared it with me. Yeah. I think it's inspiring. I think it's realistic. And I think it answers any questions that anybody would have about why do you do, what it, do you do, and how do you do it? It's all there, short and sweet. So when you were a little girl, I'm, I'm going to have to imagine you were just this kind of fiery and passionate as you are now. I don't think that like comes later. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up? What were your thoughts? What were your dreams? Well, oddly enough, you wouldn't tell from my athletic physique. Um, I was, I was very passionate about tennis and I was very inspired. I was a child of the seventies and I loved Billie Jean King and I love that she had a voice and um, as a feminist, it was really the onset of the feminist influence. Mm. Uh, and I, as, as early as I can remember, believed, well, if boys can do it, why can't I do it? And, and not only from being a tomboy, but I believe that I deserved the same chances, the same opportunities you know, we're in a, in a culture now where that's flipped a little bit, where girls are empowered and we have a lot of that and the conversations exist around boys not having that as much. And again, that would be our third podcast. But, um, you know, right. I was an, um, a bold and young lady and I had a, a creativity that flowed through me. I hosted shows in my neighbor's garage and would get all, every kid in the neighborhood to give us money so we could have a show. And I took all of my wacky attributes as a child and a student and made that intersection be the things that I do now professionally as a living. <laughs> Love it. I think, I mean, I did the whole show thing as well. And um, yeah, I think there's a bit of a showman or show woman <laughs> definitely in you, a little bit in me. So Billie Jean King, I'm thinking about your sources of people who you admire. Um, Billie Jean King, you mentioned before your grandmother. Can you share anything about her, maybe the role that she played in your life? My grandmother was a union nurse. Um, she was two decades plus as a school nurse at Father Judge. I mentioned that specifically. For anyone who attended a parochial school in the city of Philadelphia, know that there aren't bras and panties at Father Judge. It's a school of all men, all boys, all day. And I always found that so fascinating because my grandmother was a feminist in her own right who went back to school to get her nursing degree later in life mm -hmm. after raising her three children. And my grandfather, who was a little 
you should get married. He started young with me. You know, why don't you get married and settle down? And that was never happening. So he and I always had a clash of what life should look like. And my grandmother, who collectively not only inspired me with her picture on the front page of the evening bulletin on strike, standing with the teachers union, um, also greatly influenced my love of food. So I would spend a lot of time with her watching the PBS lineup. Julia Child, The Galloping Gourmet, um, The Love Chef, that whole lineup. And we would cook all the time and nothing was off the limits. And as a result, they got breakfast in bed more often than they could count. I love it. She sounds like somebody I know. <laughs> well, the funny thing is her name, her name was Orphea Worth. And I always joke that she was my Oprah with an extra vowel. Her name was Orphea Worth? Yeah. What a great name. Oh my Miller. Gosh, She's it. a Miller too. Orphea Millerworth. Oh my gosh. That is, that is really, really cool. Um, so when you think about inspiration and people you admire, those two, who else or what else, what else spurs you on? Well, you know, Amanda, we're lucky enough to know the same people and you being one of the very first people I met from my move to Doylestown from East Falls. And I can remember it vividly. You know, you, you certainly were first. And then as I went along, I met other women. And it, and it was at a time where we could all, regardless of party differences, be friends and work together for the good of the community. And I have had so many influential women. But what I guess when I think about the women that I admire and who they are, not necessarily specifically women to name them, I'm going to really describe a trait to you, which oh, is somebody nice. who understands the necessity to keep on keeping on. And they don't let you know that they're hurting inside. Although I know that it's not good to be that way, but there are people that just understand that you got to get it done and you got to keep going. And I wish I could hear myself talking right now because I needed a whole dose of that this time last year. But for yeah. me, honestly, it's, it's really about the attributes of, of strength, quiet strength. Mm. And Kimberly, you are specific about your name, Kimberly. Oh. Your Facebook moniker is Kimberly, not Kim. That's right. <laughs> so tell me about that. Well, it's a thing. It's, it, it, it's a thing because I realized no matter what you did in life and how seriously you want somebody to take you, I think the least anyone can do is to address someone by their name. Now, I know for my years working with schools and educators and administrators, there's a protocol that it's always Mrs. Johnson or Mrs. Miller. You know, they they do that, it establish boundaries. And then, you know, if you get to know somebody, then it's, you know, Jennifer or Jenny or as, as it were. I purposely, at a young age, wanted to be known as Kimberly. Okay. not Kim. And um, uh, my best friend growing up was Kim. So we were, you know, side by side. And, and I think just to differentiate was at some point, 
And I worked, Amanda, for the early part of my career in male-dominated industries. And I guess I didn't want to give anything to have an affectionate shortening of my name. So um, I stayed with the whole three-syllable thing, and I'm sticking to it. I love it. Well, I just Googled, you know, because I was thinking, what does Kimberly mean? Do you know what it means? I do, but I want to hear what you found out. Okay. I was, I was going to say, you probably have, because, you know, there's always different um, versions, but this one I just in, instantly pull up. It says, from the wood of the royal forest. So it's a perfect name for queens and kings, which I mean, right? Does that not say something? Well, yeah. What and and I'll add to that. What I know, it is a name that came of the Victorian era. Not that I'm Victorian by any measure, but it it is of the Kimberly Diamond Mines in South Africa. And especially oh. given the pressure that this little nugget of carbon has been under, I hope to cut a couple more facets in what time I have left and continue to shine in the glory of this beautiful universe. I love that. I really do. I think that even you saying universe, I know you're very rooted in where we are, the planets, the stars, the moon. I think of you with that. Um, can you we can't afford, afford Amanda, you can't afford not to pay attention to that. You know, we have been through some very mind blowing news cycles. You know, like, and I've heard it more times than any time in my life. You can't make this up. And if you know right now that Pluto, which is the, considered the generational planet, the time in which it takes to evolve, the last time that it was in the placement currently of Aquarius was in the 1790s. It was the post-revolutionary war. So this is the generational planet. And when you look collectively with the transitions right now of this week, aside from the Chiron, um, it's not a planet, but it's it's an asteroid of sorts, of the wounded healer, we're going to begin to heal. You know, sadly, the pandemic, yes, I call it the pandemic, caused a pause <laughs> in, our, in our pollution making and the planet's beginning to heal. And I think our society will begin to heal. And I can't promise the differences that are contributing to a, a, a divisive society, but I believe we are going to begin to heal. And that is for each of us to focus on our inner ability to project outward. Well, that feels really promising and really hopeful and really beautiful. And I love the thought and the experience of healing. Um, one you have thing to heal. We you have easier to said than done. <laughs> easier said than done. I mean, it's, you know, it is the highest spiritual work, I think, to address these inner um, pieces of us that need healing. Um, and we, as a culture, are really uncomfortable talking about grief. We're we, I don't know, um, I don't know what culture is good at it. Maybe I'll have to research that, but I know that we're not good at it. What role has grief played in your time? I mean, you experienced it, well, not just one, but tremendous losses, but the loss of a life partner who was a larger than life. Oh my gosh. Person. Larger than life. 
Yeah. Um, the, my, my ability to understand grief through the stages that we all subscribe to, I entertained for a short time. And I have a long time dear friend who recently helped me make sense of a world that stopped making sense for me in my efforts to under, better understand grief. And I didn't want to cling to it anymore because I wanted to surrender to the beauty of the time that we had together. And I read an expression the other day. It wasn't, it was something along the lines of, don't be upset that something happened. Be glad that it did. And you understood what it was when it happened. And so on the morning of the anniversary of Marcelo's passing, I had waited for the sun to rise. I had played Here Comes the Sun as I did a year ago on the day that I knew it would be his last day on earth. And in the most profound out of body comprehension, I realized that the universe needed Marcelo more than he needed me. Wow. And it was okay that he was mm. where he was going to be. Marcelo was the only child of uh, Argentine diplomat. And I always promised his mother I would send him home. And on my birthday, I sent my husband home to start his eternal life. And my son will forever remember that his parents lived together in my birthday and his birth of eternity. You are going to make me not even able to continue my podcast because I'm going to be crying. Well, but I I, I only I only get beautiful. one take in this life, Amanda, and it's not dress rehearsal. And I'm yeah. such an intentional person to the marrow of my bone. And I I really knew that I had to make this significant. And then the glory in celebrating my husband's life was on his 64th birthday at the Doylestown Historical Society. So when I put things together in my mind, a man that had come to this country from Argentina, don't cry for me, Doylestown, PA, um, and then acquired his um, American citizenship and voted for the very first time the same year that my son was 18, that my son could vote for the first time, was a first time in a last time memory for my child. Wow. So, you know, consequences, coincidental situations, I don't believe in that. Um, I, can, I can be the architect of some of these things that my child will have. And knowing that I could say goodbye to him selflessly um, and kiss my dance partner goodnight was a gift to myself. Wow. That is powerful. And um, I think that will impact people very greatly, Kimberly, because I do think grief, it's just so universal. It's, I don't think you get through life without it, without loss, certainly. Um, and that is just really, really beautiful. You know, you, you spoke about intentionality and intention. What does that look like in your life? Does that, are there certain like daily rituals? Do you have something 
like this is what I want my day or my life to contain. What is intentionality for you? For me, intentionality is the capacity to respond versus reaction. So reaction is triggered in most people from an emotional standpoint and being reactionary um, can find yourself in circumstances that you didn't anticipate the, 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 the whole outcome in its entirety versus a response is more methodical and you have to look at the whole thing. And I've had one too many chances to respond to things versus reaction. And, you know, we have a prime example of, 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 of elected officials who are reactionary and it's ugly. But if you respond, it at least gives you the chance to keep your finger on the dock of eloquence and um, poised. Mm -hmm. So when I think about my own intention, and believe me, there have been hundreds of times I would have loved to have drop kicked a cat. I wouldn't have, but I'm just using that as, a, as, a, as a, an expression. You can replace cat with <laughs> whatever. Okay, a foosball. <laughs> so, so foosball, whatever it might be. I realized as I was being tested at every turn, even in my parenting method, let, let me let me parlay both of these together. Even through the years that I parent, people always be like, oh my gosh, you're such a good parent. Well, I wouldn't say that, but I'll tell you what I was. I became an expert in parenting because I had a career that afforded me a gallery of professionals from our beloved friend, Dr. Ginsburg, to mm -hmm. Amy Tealsman, to our years on the Parent and Family Committee. Mm -hmm. What I became, not only as a mother, to my son was an advocate for my child's best possible memories. And through intentionality, Amanda, and my ability to not be reactionary because parents react a lot and that's where the ugly occurs. Mm -hmm. But I would live my life for my child and he was severely ADHD and I knew he was gonna have the hot pink posted on his back when he went to school and I wasn't having that. Yeah. So I became an advocate for my child and in the, acquisition of my job with CB Cares, well, that kind of put me at the front of the carpool lane. So in my attentions for my son, which is, I am the starring actress in this child's movie. And will he want to watch that movie again? Like we all have these movies we watch a million times over in his heart. No matter how mad that I became over something that happened, as, as he was a child, I caused myself to stop and realize that he was my audience of one. And I'm going to influence this child how his next is. That's really, truly where my intentionality was birthed from. That is a wonderful piece of parenting advice. Um, you are the star of your child's movie. I think all that's the time. Phenomenal. The lens never turns off. So when we see our beautiful marquee at the county theater, you always want your name to be there in bold letters and not wonky half off, you know, not the dangling K. You want it to be there all the time because you are that doc. You know, and what you're also informing me is that in in order to 
respond as opposed to reaction. I do think that takes prep. I do think that takes preparation in a sense of whether you're reading or whether you have some sort of self-care thing you go to because um, self-discipline and willpower will only get you so far, you know, mm-hmm. when you're, when you're in the heat of emotion, right. Um, there is some sort of preparation to be able to take that mantra that you've just kind of shared and make that a reality. Um, do you have any guidance for that? Is it reading books? Is it talking to people? Is it, what is that? It's my ability to know that only I can control the end game. I have the keyboard that describes whatever it is that my child's going to remember in the passages when he's older and I'm not here. And I think you were talking about mindfulness. I always like to kind of assimilate it to cooking. If you use crappy ingredients, you're going to have a crappy outcome. And when you cook, food is reactionary. It's chemical. It changes. Meat sears in a pan. Flour meets yeast and water, rises above. And when you shortcut and you don't put everything into it, which is called mise en place, when you get everything ready to do what it is. In life, preparation is everything. Timing is second and knowing your audience soulful connection soul sister is everything i there's so many treasures in this conversation kimberly oh you're Um, kind it's true thank you so one of my favorite questions is what do people get wrong about you oh geez (laughs) that's a long list let me ask you a question about what people get wrong about me because i had this conversation with my son in, in the car the other day and i was like dude what do you think people get wrong about me and the first thing he did was answer the question about himself. And I'm listening to his answer. And I was like, what? I said, no, no, no. What do you think people get wrong about me? So he, you know, kind of rethought his dancer and everything. And he said to me, it's like, you know, to. mom, I think most people don't think that you're a self-aware individual and you just blah out there and you are the way you are but they have no idea that you actually know what it is that you're doing at all times. You just let them think that you're, you know, half cocked or snarky or whatever it is. That's kind of insightful, you know? Well, I guess it helps to star in his movie. So Kimberly, um, I am starting to do this thing at the end of our podcast where there is a great organization called the Live Project liveproject.org and they have a game l-i-v l-i-v okay because it's named to honor a beautiful girl named olivia who was called live who died by suicide and her family started this organization um with the intention to create an environment of fearless conversation and to that end they have a little game it's called the game that goes there Let's go there. Let's go there. So I'm going to give you a choice of three questions and they have three rules. They have other rules if we were really playing the game, but I'm just going to ask you a question. So the three rules are don't be a jerk, be honest. And if you don't want to go there, you don't have to go there. So if I, I'm going to ask you three questions. You get to pick one. If you don't want to answer, that is completely an option. Here are the questions. 
Okay. Kind of going there is I could live 100 years and still never understand. Almost going there, I, a card I pulled from almost going there is one way I try to shut my brain up is, and then the question I pulled from the we're going there section is, the character trait that could one day ruin me is. So which of those three things do I have to respond to? Well, number one, you don't have to respond to any of them, but you can pick a question. Whatever question you have an answer to right away, pick that one. So so well, the, first one, again? the first one was 100 years. Please, please do. Yeah, like I... I could live a hundred years and I would still never understand blank. Or the next one is one way I try to shut my brain up is blank. Or the character trait that could one day ruin me is blank. I'm going to take the middle question. Okay. And I'm going to recite it. The one way I get my brain to stop is. Yes. Well, that's easy for me to answer. Okay. As an ADHD adult, you know, I was lucky enough. I have Linda Anderson lives here in our community and we oh, worked nice. on things. And when I tell people that I suffered a long time because I appear to be highly organized and capable of a lot of things is not that that intentionality comes back into play, but the way that I get my brain to stop is stillness. Mm is to actually stop and feel my breath. And it is a, uh, it's a reboot because we all can quickly spiral, especially when the winds of emotions blow long and hard. And I'm able to put the needle back in the record at the beginning Luckily, if you can, you can do things over. You can get a take one. You don't want the needle to scratch across your record. You want the music to play as melodic as possible. So I always believe that I have to take the needle out of that record, my brain, whatever it might be, and put it back in and start over again. And I do that by pausing and breathing and focusing. You know, maybe people know how deeply kind you are. I don't know. I don't know if they know that. I don't know you are. And if they don't know it, they should know it because that is something you're a very good human being. So thank you for bringing that goodness to my life and also to the podcast. Soulful Connections, I so appreciate it. I think I want you to know as much as I love that and really needed to hear that more than you know, I'm working on being kind and funny. Oh, yes. Tell us about your upcoming gig. I'm happy to. Um, so, you know, I had a, a long and quiet pause period of my life and and it was um, it favored paralysis. I was I was stuck and I'm happy to talk about it because I've never stuttered. I've always said what's on my mind and I'm, and I'm a straight shooter. And that's probably where my son would say to me, people don't perceive me as having self-awareness and I don't think the two should be confused. But 
um, over the last six weeks, um, and I have done this, I have been going to the open mic nights at the Comedy Cabaret, which is above um, Poco's. And I think it's funny that a comedy club is over a Mexican joint for shits and giggles, but um, I have gone every Thursday night and I sit in the back and I just take in everybody because you just don't jump off a diving board and say mm -hmm. you're going to do an open mic night. I'm here to tell you that I have had my toes in the shallow end of the stand-up swimming pool for many, many years. I've performed in Philadelphia. I've performed outside of the market because I was mindful for the role that I had in the community, not wanting to do whatever. But my pumpkin has arrived and Cinderella will get to touch the microphone on Thursday, April 13th at 7.30 at the Comedy Cabaret above Poco's. It's $10. There's 11 or 12 of us. And if you don't have fun, I'll give you your dollar back. <laughs> Yay! I will be there. I will put that in the um, podcast description. You know, for the people, I am so lucky that I now have listeners just all over the country. So when you get like that YouTube channel together and all of that, I will replace the promo with a YouTube link because I think everybody should have the opportunity to get to know you through your comedy. So looking forward. Happy to make my next contribution witty and wise. Thank you, Amanda. Wait. Thank you. Soul sister. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider giving it a great rating and following all the things you do when you like a podcast. Thank you to William Aronson for writing, producing, recording the Soulful Connections theme song. And once again, thank you for listening. I hope you keep tuning in.